0: Thank you for connecting to the media product of LifeGate Church. Pastor Brian Gallardo prays as this product goes out into the nations that it empowers your faith, stirs your spirit, and pushes you towards your God-given destiny. For more information, please go to www.lifegatekc.org. John chapter 15 and verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this than a man would willingly lay down his life for his friends father i thank you tonight for your graciousness to us lord i pray that you would help me do what only you can do pray that you would empower me speak through me pick me up like a trumpet and blow through me tonight god i pray Satan, I curse you and command you to be bound off of this property tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that everybody hears the gospel message tonight that needs salvation, Lord, that salvation would be their crown tonight. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray you open the heart and that you open the door and that you open my mouth. Use me tonight to communicate the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray and the people of God said amen. And amen. Put your hands together one more time if you're thankful for the Lord before you're seated in the house of God tonight. Tonight, I want to celebrate the life of this man who lays here before you. Uh, I want to celebrate his life, his ministry, and his death. This man who lies here today was a good man. Can the church say amen? Amen. He was born of a virgin in a little town of Bethlehem and at the age of 12 years old he was dumbfounding the religious doctors and theologians and scribes and teachers and at the age of 30 he had an encounter in a wilderness with the devil himself for 40 days and for 40 nights He came out of the wilderness and he walked up into the temple and he opened up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and began to read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. From that moment on, for the next three years of his life, he began to preach the message: repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was known to turn water into wine and then turn around the next moment later and walk on the water that he created. He was known to raise the dead and to breathe life into people who were broken. He healed sick bodies and he caused limbs to grow out where there weren't any. He opened up the blind and he blinded eyes and he calmed the raging storms. He fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. He was a miracle worker, a wonder worker, a yoke destroyer, and a burden lifter. His name who lies here before you is Jesus. He was known to sit with the worst in society. He was known as a friend of sinners, a friend of the unchurched. He would leave the 99 to sit down and have dinner with the one. Zacchaeus come up out of that sycamore tree. He was known to go to search in the the house for the one coin that was valuable that got away. He was a good man. He was not only a man, but he was God. And he was on a mission in this earth to seek and save that one person who was lost. You see tonight, my friend, Jesus did not come just to preach. Jesus did not come just to open up the eyes of the blind. Jesus did not come just to be a good man or a guru like Gandhi or those who have already passed away. No, sir. This man that lies before you came to give his life willingly. It wasn't Rome that crucified him. It was not the Jews that crucified him. It was not the father that crucified him jesus willingly gave his life a ransom so you could be whole so you could be forgiven so you could be saved so you could escape the quarters of the damned and the doomed of the smoke-filled quarters of a burning hell what a man no greater love has this than a man would willingly lay down his life for his friends somebody say he was a good man he ultimately faced the death penalty by execution upon a cross. This man's death was necessary. This was God's plan for him the whole time. He was literally born to die. The Bible said in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Now, I got to stop here for just a minute because most of you in this room have heard this memory verse before, but for, I want to bring it home to your front yard. I want you to shout your name out really quick. Come on, shout your first name out. I can't hear you. For God so loved that name. God so loved you. Come on. For God so loved people so much that he gave us Jesus. That who would ever put their trust in Jesus, who would ever follow Jesus, would one day walk on the streets of gold. Come on. There is an afterlife after this life people believe and they live in such a way they think they're going to live on this planet forever but I've got news for you you are one moment closer to death than you were a minute ago your heart has beated one less beat than it will beat in comparison to the rest of your life you are not promised tomorrow there is a real heaven to gain and there is a real hell to shun this man that lays before you literally became the bridge for you to get out of hell this is your get out of hell free card and his name is Jesus. He came and shed his blood to be the ransom and the atonement and the forgiveness of your sin. Come on in here. The Bible said without the shedding of blood there is no remission of your sin. You see Jesus had to die. He had to willingly die. He had to give his life a ransom so we could be atoned for and forgiven. It all starts back in a garden called Eden. The Bible said in Genesis chapter number 1, the Bible said that, that, that in the beginning, God created the heavens, and God created the earth. And the Bible said that the earth was without form, and darkness moved upon the face of the deep. And in six days, God began to create. The Bible said, God said, God said, and God said. He created a garden, and he called it Eden. He formed man out the dust of that ground of Eden. When man became a living being, the Bible said that God put him in that garden and told him, you and your wife, Adam and Eve, can eat from all the good in this land, but I want... One tree and it's called the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and he said the moment you partake and eat of that tree in disobedience your soul will surely die I'm thankful today that God gave us a choice to serve him he's a good God he's not a manipulator he's not a control freak he gives you, he gives you free will he gives you free choice you can either choose heaven or hell choose God or the devil you get to pick who you get to serve in this earth Adam and Eve did what what we're so good at doing and the bible said that they partook of that fruit and when they partook of that fruit the bible d- d- records very specifically that they were banished from the garden but before they were banished from the garden god sacrificed an animal he ripped that animal apart and he covered them with animal skins in theology we call something the law of first mention and the law of first mention teaches us when you see something start in the bible generally it's played out through scripture it was God's desire that something die. It was God's desire that blood be spilled. For the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. In Hebraic culture, they believe that there was life in the power of the blood. So God orchestrates a temple through the orchestration of a man named Moses. And he tells Moses once a year, I want you to go into the holies of holies. And I want you to take the blood of a lamb or the blood of a goat or the blood of of a bowl and I want you to go into that holy place once a year and I want you to throw that blood on what was called the mercy seat so I can forgive the sins of the people temporarily it was God's temporary plan to forgive man of their sins the Bible is called the Old Testament and the New Testament better translation the Old Covenant and the New Covenant because God had a better plan he had a better way for man to be forgiven of their sins he sent his own son and he took his son's blood and he sprinkled it upon the eternal mercy seat having obtained eternal redemption for all of humanity you see all of us were born into sin the bible said you were born into sin and in wickedness your mother conceived you sin is a powerful thing and we're all guilty come on in here look at your neighbor say you look more guilty tonight than i do you know what's crazy about sin sin is the thing all of us have in common but none of us want to talk about (laughs) so <laughs> Sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. Sin is what is the reason why a daddy can put a bruise on his baby child's cheek. Sin is why there's prostitutes on the corner of certain streets in Kansas City. It's sin. Sin is why heroin addicts have have marks up and down their arms from the needle tapping their vein. Sin. Sin will send your soul to hell and ultimately separate you from from God, but God had a plan. Come on, somebody. God had a plan to send His Son Jesus for once and for all. So, if you confess your sin, first John 1 9, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Somebody shout, Thank you, Jesus. Sin, how can we be forgiven? from this sin by calling on the name of Jesus the Bible tells us in Revelation thirteen eight, he is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world now you and I both know tonight that Jesus is not in that casket you and I both know that Jesus is no longer dead but tonight we remember what he did so look at him now Jesus takes three of his precious disciples, James, Peter, and John. Bible calls them the sons of thunder. He takes them in the middle of the night to a garden of Gethsemane. He says, boys, wait right here, and I want you to pray. I gotta go into the garden further and seek the face of the Father. Jesus walks into the garden of Gethsemane where he begins to be tormented about for what's about to take place in his life. He starts pacing back and forth on that dirt-crusted floor that he's spoken to existence. A fog sweeps into the garden, and all of humanity is silent, and the birds and the animals have left the garden. He's all by himself. The moon is out beaming down upon his Brazilian, tan, Egyptian-looking skin. He begins to cry out to God by saying, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it be so. But nevertheless, my will, but your will, be done. Soulical and emotional torment hit Jesus that night until... The Bible records that he was full of sorrow unto the point of death until he began to sweat great drops of blood. This is a known rare physical condition that's called hematidrosis. And it's where the body, under an immense amount of pressure, fear, and pain and stress literally secrete blood from out the body's sweat glands. Causing the body to become extremely sensitive To the touch, you say, preacher, what's this got to do with me? It's got everything to do with you. Jesus went to a place of sorrow, a place of emotional pain, a place of anxiety through the roof, and there wasn't any Prozac to help him, a place of depression, and there wasn't any medication to help him. He went to the darkest place of an emotional pain so you could become whole. Look out a mile away if you can. In the dark night where Jesus was praying, he could see the glow of the torches of the Roman soldiers now approaching the garden of Gethsemane led by his spiritual son, Judas. The Bible says that Judas walked up to Jesus, kissed him on the cheek, and for 30 shekels of silver betrayed the Son of God. The Roman soldiers put cuffs on Jesus, a chain around his neck, and begin to pull him through the streets toward the city of Jerusalem. They take him before Pilate. Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate. Pilate begins to talk with Jesus and say, man, just denounce what they're telling you. He didn't say a word. See, Jesus was like a lamb sent for the slaughter, yet he didn't open his mouth. He knows what pain feels like. He knows what slander feels like. He knows what false representation feels like, yet he did not open up his mouth. Pontius Pilate asked Caiaphas, the leader of this whole brigade. What do you want me to do with this man you call the Christ? The same ones just a few days ago that were hailing Hosanna now start hailing Crucify Him. They put cuffs on Jesus and they take Him to the whipping post. One Roman soldier picks up a rod and a stick and begins to beat Jesus until his skin rips open and blood begins to spray out. They kick him. They spit on him. They mock him saying, oh, you're, you are a king, aren't you? You look like a pretty weak king tonight. One Roman soldier picks up the cat of nine tails which was a whip with three different branches upon it, and it was laced with broken glass and broken bone. Jesus was kneeling down on the whipping post, exhausted, slipping in and out of conscious. He was broken and hurt and wounded, and his skin was already hypersensitive to the hematidrosis. He began to hear, hear the whirling of the whip around the soldier's head as the first soldier took that whip and pummeled it into his body when he ripped that whip off of his body the flesh on Jesus' back began to come out with the whip Ribcage was exposed. Bones were seen. It lacerated his face. Now he's bleeding from every portal of his body. He is literally drowning in his own blood. Blood is dripping from his mouth, his ribs, his feet, and his groin. For 39 times, the cat of nine tails whipping our master. I believe in that moment, as his face was on the ground, he glanced over to his precious mom as he saw her pain at the thought of her baby being barbarically murdered. For her, all hope was gone. For her, the dream was gone as she looked at her son there that day. A Roman soldier after the 39th lashing picked Jesus up and walked him out of the court and put him on a stool. His flesh now is hanging off of his body like scarlet threads and bloody ribbons. Pain from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet as he is pleading internally, I wish I could just die. One Roman soldier takes a vine made with three-inch Thorns and he makes a crown out of this, cr- out of these thorns. He walks up to Jesus, he does not place it on his head, he shoves it down into his skull until blood begins to pour into his eyes, staining his face, marring his wounds as more pain goes deep into his being. Jesus. One soldier comes and begins with his fist punching him relentlessly until his head swells like a basketball. His mom looks over at her son, Jesus, and she's bewildered because his visage has become so marred she can't even recognize the boy she gave birth to. They begin to rip his beard out of his chin. They punch him in the face. They spit upon his naked body. One soldier begins to mock him and he puts a purple robe upon his bleeding, broken, bruised body. They take a reed. They place it in his hand. They get on their knees in mockery and say, Hail, King of the Jews! His wounds now have sealed over just a little bit. One Roman soldier walks over to Jesus And he pulls him off of that stool. The wounds open again. The blood starts to pour. And they take him outside of that court where there was a wooden beam. This wooden beam was rough. It would be like cutting down a tree but not debarking it. He leans leans down. And upon that back that's already bleeding, his spinal cord is seen he begins to rub up against that bark as it's ripping his flesh with every ounce of strength he can get just to walk. He's walking through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem down the street called Via Dolorosa, which is the street of suffering from Jerusalem to a hill called Calvary. The soldiers begin to beat him through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. He's swelling from everywhere in his body. Blood is pouring out. As you look behind him, you can see the bloody footprints. He collapses, slips out of conscience, and Simon was there. There's a man in the crowd that got down next to Jesus and said, I'll do it. I'll carry the cross this is a just man I see who he is he is a righteous man I see who he is I remember the day he healed Jarius' daughter I remember the day he healed the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years I remember Bartimaeus I saw him I was in the crowd he is but a good man he is a righteous man I, I will carry the cross for him Jesus up to the hill find him at Golgatha, Calvary. The word Golgatha means the place of the skull. And the reason why it was called the place of the skull is because when they put criminals on the cross, they left him there to rot vultures would come and perch themselves on the horizontal beam and they would begin to pick at their flesh until their body was nothing but bones to which they would fall upon the crucifix off the crucifixion into a pile of bones upon the ground left forever jesus on the hill of calvary they lay the cross down on that hill They they lay Jesus on top of the cross. One Roman soldier grabs one wrist on one side. Another Roman soldier grabs a wrist on the other side, and they begin to pull until they rip his shoulders out of each socket. The ringing of the hammer then was heard as nails started to part sinew. Flesh and tendons. His hands begin to shake and his body tremble at the thought of the horror of crucifixion. One bridge of a foot on top of another. They drove a nail straight through the bridge of his feet. His arms were out of socket. His feet were nailed. His wrists were nailed. And they begin to hoist up the Prince of God into the air. Into a six-foot hole goes the bottom of the cross. And our Lord and Savior's body, on his bone upon nail, bridge upon nail, his body shakes In spasms of horror, there he is upon the cross. Can you see him? See our Lord upon the tree that day. He's broken. He's bruised. He's he's bloody. He's naked. He did not have a loincloth on. His privates were exposed. The most intimate place of pain and embarrassment he took upon himself so we could be free from the pain and embarrassment of the sin of our past. Look at him hanging there our Lord, our Savior. Every time he breathed, he had to push himself up on that cross just to get a breath of air. It was there. Seven statements were made. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do you may say tonight preacher he was talking about the romans he was talking about the jews he was talking about those sneering and snickering around the cross no he was talking about me he was talking about you he was talking about our mess our arrogance to sin and have no conviction or worry about it he was saying father Forgive them. Now, I don't know about you. When somebody does me wrong, I ain't asking God to forgive them. I'm asking God to get them. But that's the flesh part of us. The Jesus part of us said, no, forgive them. Who was it that nailed him there that day, pastor? Who was it at the whipping post that whipped him there that day, pastor? Last time I looked, I was holding the hammer. Last time I looked, you was holding the whip. Last time I looked, you was the one jeering and snickering in your sin. But yet his heart is, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There was a man on the right and a man on the left, and the man with the humility cried out to Jesus and said, Remember me when you come into heaven. And Jesus said, Surely you will be with me in paradise. I don't relate to the Pharisees. I'm not that holy. I'm not that good. Talk to me in here. I got a lot of nunya of my yesterday. What's that nunya business? Come on, some of us in this room, we've been good at sexing it up, shooting it up, snorting it up, drinking it up, blazing it up. Come on, we've been good. We were good sinners. But thank God for his mercy that you can be the lowest of the low. Come on, criminal upon the cross. It's believed he was a rapist or a serial murderer. You can be the lowest of the low, and you can still cry out to Jesus, and Jesus will still forgive you of your sin, and he will still make you as new. Though your sin be like scarlet, he will wash them as white as snow. Surely you will be with me in paradise. But then he looks out into the crowd and he sees his precious mama at the foot of the cross with his auntie, his adopted auntie, and his buddy John. He looks at them in his pain and he says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. I find it very interesting to me that there's people that can give their life to Jesus yet still think God don't care about them. There's people who can go and sin and live for the world yet still think God don't care about me. He proved it. He proved it. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. What he was saying is, My heart's broke for you. Comfort each other. Don't be concerned of me. I'm concerned of you. You see, Jesus sees you today. Jesus sees your pain today. Jesus sees your hurt today. Jesus sees what you've been longing for but yet hasn't happened. And he's concerned with you. He looks up into the heavens And he cries, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You have to understand about Jesus and understand the theology about what he did. Every sin of humanity was put upon the back of Jesus. Rape was on him. Pornography was on him. Come on in here. Every sickness was on him. AIDS was on him. Cancer was upon him. Pain was upon him. To the point a holy God had to look away from his son. You see, you may be here tonight and you've been forsaken. You may be abandoned by your husband. Your father may have walked out on you. Friends may have departed you and treated you like a dirty dog. But Jesus is saying to you tonight, He was forsaken, so you don't have to be. Man, there's so much power in the cross of healing in our soul from the power of abandonment. He was up there hanging on the cross, and He began to say two more words. He said, I thirst. I thirst. You say, Pastor, what does that mean to me? He was saying, I'm longing. You ever longed for that daddy to wrap his arms around you and say, I love you, daughter, but you know it never happened? You ever longed for them to accept you and tell you how proud they were of you, but it never happened? Jesus, on the tree that day, took all of our longing And pain in our soul upon himself. So your longing could be satisfied. What a master. And what a Lord. He looked down at the crowd. He looked up into the heavens. And he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. If Jesus had enough trust in his father to put his whole being in, I think that that's a good indication that you and I should have enough trust to put our trust in the Father. You say, but God put him there. No, he willingly went there. God murdered Jesus. No, Jesus allowed himself to be the animal sacrifice for you and I, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. with one more ounce of strength. Jesus looked at his right hand, looked over at his left, looked down at his feet. His body was bleeding from everywhere, running down his toes, down the cross into coagulated blood pools gathering at the base of that crucifix that day. He says, I got one more thing to say. He began to pull himself up. And he said, It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. There was an announcement made right after this. The announcement was Jesus, the Son of God, is dead took his body off of that cross. Joseph from Arimathea said, you can put him in a tomb I've already purchased. They carted his body down the hill of Golgatha and they placed his body in an empty tomb. Many soldiers gathered and they began to roll what was called the stone or the door in front of that tomb to completely seal that tomb off and leave Jesus in a total dark, isolated place. You say, Preacher, what's that got to do with me? Because there's people here in this room listening to me on podcasts, preaching on YouTube, preaching on Facebook, and although the lights may be on in your room, you are in a very dark place. The writer Luke said they put Jesus in a place no man had ever been before. Many of you here tonight, you feel like you are in a tomb. And there's no way out for you. It's never gonna get any better. There is no hope for you. There's no hope for your marriage. There's no hope for your family. There's no hope for your life. You're so sick of being addicted to pornography. You're so sick of being addicted to drugs. You're so sick of being addicted to alcohol. You're cutting yourself in the bathroom. You're doubting the existence of God. You're confused about your gender. Nobody understands you. Your parents don't understand you. Your siblings don't understand you. That ex-husband didn't understand you. And here you are in a dark place contemplating suicide, contemplating ending it all, That 357 sure looks a whole lot better than you coming to a church on a Friday night. But I got news for you tonight. Jesus went to a place of total darkness and isolation to bring you out of the place of total darkness and isolation. What he wants you to do tonight is he wants you to encounter him. The Bible calls Jesus the light of the world. Will you step into the light or stay in the darkness? For God so loved you. God is not mad at you, ma'am. God is not mad at you, sir. No, 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 no. God loves you. God sees you. You say, Pastor, I've done a lot of bad. It's all right. The blood can cover it. You say, Pastor, I've done a lot of sinning. It's all right. The blood can cover it. You say, Pastor, I'm lost. I'm wretched. I'm undone. That's all right. You're who we came for. The Bible said Jesus did not come to call those who are already holy. He came seeking and saving the sick and the lost. I said, preacher, you don't know my story. Well, you just see me in a suit and tie, but this is a sinner that's just got it dressed up tonight. We all have a story. Come on in here. One of the incredible men of God in our church, Elder Mark Tighe, he's one of our elders, he said when he got saved, he was driving down the street smoking a blunt. And he said the Lord spoke to him and he said, is that blunt more important than me? And he threw it out the window and never went back to it. It doesn't matter what you're smoking, what you're doing, what you're sexing, what you're sexting. God wants you. Why did he die? Because he loves you. Why did he bleed? Because he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But I got to preach the rest of the gospel to you that whoever follows him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The other side of that coin is, I know you live your life like you're going to live forever, but you're one step closer to death tonight than you were when you came through that door the fact of the matter you can argue with me theology style you can argue with me your beliefs about the bible but you cannot argue with me we are all facing the ticking and the time of death you will one day die one day you will kiss your loved ones for the very last time one day you will send your last text to that boy you're trying to flirt with and you're trying to get with him you will for the last day send that last instagram feed for the last day one day you will die And who you serve in this earth will depict where you go in the afterlife. For Jesus said there will be many on that day. That say to me, Lord, I went to church in your name. I did holy things in your name. I cast out devils in your name. And he will literally look back at them and say, depart from me. You who st- would not stop working a sinful lifestyle of iniquity. I never knew you. But then the Bible said, on the other hand, he's going to look to those who have been faithfully serving God. And he's going to say, welcome in my son and daughter to the kingdom I have prepared for you. Where will you go when you die? Heaven, hell, hell. God Or the devil. Those are your only two options. Heaven is a place where your Bible said there is no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. He will wipe away every tear from your eye. Come on, somebody. There will be no need for dialysis. There will be no need for Advil. It's a place of perfection. A place where God is. A place of a praise party. But the other place and the other option is a place of a smoke-filled corridor. Of the damned and the doomed. That your Bible said the smoke is always ascending into the nostrils of God. It's a place where you'll want to die, but death will never come. It's a place where you'll beg and you'll gnaw your pain. You'll gnaw your tongue under the immense amount of pain, but death will never come. You see, in hell, once you get there, there is no exit signs. There is no elevators. There is no stairway to heaven. I know we sing about it and we talk about it. But once you are there, the lock will be locked. The key will be thrown away. And it will be a forever place of eternal torment. Don't go to hell for anybody. Don't you go to hell for anybody. Listen, the sex ain't worth it. I know know you like it, but it's not worth it. Some of you got a high body count and God wants to clean you tonight. That sex ain't worth it. Those pornographic images aren't worth it. That blunt's not worth it. That cocaine's not worth it. That gossiping's not worth it. Don't go to hell for anybody. So I'm going to conclude tonight by asking you the same thing Pilate asked those that were there that day. He didn't say, what are you going to do with church? We worship church in America, not Jesus. We worship music at church and not Jesus. He didn't say, what shall we do then with this life gate? He didn't ask you that. Nope. uh -uh. He said, what will you do with Jesus? If any man come unto him, they have to abandon their life and follow Jesus. And the Lord is asking you tonight, I'm here, and I'm asking you to come. That's what he's asking you. The Bible tells us that no man can come to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws him. I know in a moment what it's like when the Holy Spirit is dealing with my heart and he's drawing me. And then I know what it feels like when the Holy Spirit isn't drawing in that moment anymore. And I want you to know tonight the Holy Spirit will not always be drawing you every single moment I don't know what you came here for tonight, but I hope you came to encounter God. I hope you came to encounter the love of God. It's love that's preaching right now, but judgment's waiting for you outside of them doors. Mercy is preaching, but judgment's waiting on you. Grace is preaching, but judgment is waiting on you outside those doors. You may be here tonight, and you might have put that shirt on for the last time. You might find yourself in the back of an ambulance where they're taking those scissors and cutting it off your body. I hope not, but we are not promised tomorrow. I want us all to stand to our feet in this room, and I want you to reach over and grab somebody by the hand. And I want every head bowed and every eye closed in this room right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room tonight, and you're sick and tired of living for you, I'm not, talking about a, I'm not talking about you having a cute cross. I have one. It's under my shirt. I, I, I'm not talking about you having a cute cross you wear. It's got to be something you bear. Are you following Jesus? This is not an altar call just to come and follow me after a prayer to ensure that you are for heaven as if you were already there. No, sir. This is an altar call that says I'm tired of following me and the world. I want to follow Jesus. If you're here tonight, I'm going to count to three. And I'm speaking to you. And you want to do something with this Jesus who died for you. You want to surrender and sell out. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to squeeze the hand of the one on the left or the right of you to indicate to them so they know I'm talking to you. I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want you to squeeze that hand. One. God is beckoning you tonight to come. He desires you. He loves you. You say, Pastor, how much did he love me? He proved it to you on Golgotha. how much he loved you. Two, don't go to hell for anybody. His 6 packs abs ain't worth it. Her hot wheel racetrack body ain't worth it. Don't go to hell for nobody. Serve Jesus and not the devil. If you want to have blessing and not cursing life and not death, I want you to squeeze that hand when I count to three. This is it. Here we go. Make that proclamation. One, two, three. Tell somebody right now, squeeze that hand. I want to go to heaven, not hell. I want to serve God and not the devil. Squeeze that hand on the one next to you.